Welcome to the Rust Belt Rundown, brought to you by Rust Belt Recruiting. This podcast is designed to shine a light on the meaningful work being done in Northeast Ohio and the surrounding region. We will convene manufacturing executives and Northeast Ohio business leaders for candid discussions about their business, regional happenings, industry trends, entrepreneurship, and more. Now, let's get running on The Rundown. Welcome, everyone, to episode 19 of the Rust Belt Rundown. I am your host, Paul O'Connor, and on this episode, we are joined by Tammy Naguki. She is the Principal of Marketing and Client Experience at the Environmental Design Group. Tammy, thanks so much for coming on. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Thanks. I'm looking forward to it as well. It's a pleasure to be here. So um, the first question is a softball. We like to give our guests just an opportunity to introduce themselves um, for the people that may not know you listening to the podcast. Tell us a little bit more about who Tammy is. Great. Um, Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I think this is a a fun idea. Um, I don't often get to talk about myself, so that's a little bit strange for me, Um, but thank you. Um, So my background is probably a little bit unusual for someone in this position. Um, I spent 20 years as a stay-at-home mom and uh, raised four kids. And uh, when the last one is heading off to high school, I thought, you know what, it's probably time that I figure out what I'm going to do when they're all gone. So I kind of stumbled into uh, marketing. I have dabbled in it probably my whole life, uh, building websites and doing some marketing materials for my kids and their sports and, and all that fun stuff. And it kind of just happened naturally, really. Um, I'm super ambitious. And I also wanted to set a good example for my two girls. Um, the boys, you know, they've got their examples, but my daughters, I want to make sure that they knew that they could do it all. You know, if they wanted to raise a family, great. If they wanted to have a career, great. Um, and really the ambition and the hard work is really what made it all happen. And, um, you know, I, I quickly moved through, um, my positions and, and I learned a lot along the way. And I think that's probably the most important, um, thing, you know, that I try to convey to my daughters, you know, the more you learn, the more ambition you have, the farther you'll go. And, uh, I, you know, I coach that same thing to my team too. I've got a lot of young, a lot of youngsters on my team. And, uh, one of the biggest things that I like to share with them is absorb as much as you can learn from as many different people as you can along the way. And, uh, you'll end up where you're supposed to be. Yeah. I love that message. Curiosity, right? I mean, curiosity paired, paired with ambition is a tough combo to be. And I, I love leadership. I love learning about it. I love um, learning about how people got to where they were specifically like, um, people who may have like jumped industries, you know, and Mm -hmm. have done completely different things. I find that fascinating. Like how the hell did you switch from doing this to that? You know, and that transition period is, is scary. Um, it can, it can be scary for sure. I mean, I, I, I wish I could share with you the pile of books I'm sitting here with. Um, anytime somebody recommends a book, I'm reading it, even if it's something that doesn't even sound remotely something I'd be interested in. I'll read it anyway, because there's always something to learn from someone else. And uh, that's, I think the real, the real angle here is, you know, if you're, if you're hoping to, to find the passion in your work, it's really knowing a lot of different things and finding which part of it that you really, you really enjoy every day is a lot of, that's a lot of, that's a lot of years left to work. And uh, if you don't enjoy it, then what are you really doing? Yep. Yeah, I, I think um, as we see the job market over the past 12 to 18 months, I think that's one of the, the recurring themes, right? The pillars of that people really had time for the, for some people, the first time ever in their lives to pause, reflect, and think and say, huh, the whole world kind of just ended. 
do I like what I do? You know, like maybe I right. switch. And and to be honest, if there's a silver lining on a COVID, I think that's one of them. You know, people finding what they want to do. Yeah. And in addition to that, I mean, maybe you realize that your skill set wasn't as valuable as it used to be. And, you know, if you have a bunch of other skills that you're capable of doing, then you become much more marketable. Yep. And I think that's really a big key for kids coming up today, too, is just to remember that, you know, as much as you can make yourself of value to the place where you're working, that that's only going to help you. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's, let's dive in. Tell us more about your career in the design and construction industry. How did you get involved in that? So like I said, that was a little bit of an accident. Uh, I started working a little bit of graphic design for a small shop here in Medina. And literally the, someone walked in the door and asked me if I'd be interested in working for their firm. And I, I know that doesn't happen to everybody every day, um, but I, I took up the opportunity. And you know, when a door opens, you, you have to be a little bit brave or a little bit crazy. I'm not sure which to take advantage of something like that. I was probably a little bit of both and a little naive too. So I jumped in. And uh, I remember, and of course, this is going to sound crazy, but um, I knew I had an interview with them. Uh, probably I had about two weeks notice before the interview. And I was told that I'd have to take a test in InDesign. Mm. And I thought, huh, I've seen InDesign before. I, I've worked in the Adobe suite before. It can't be that hard, right? So I downloaded a free trial of the software. And I watched a ton of videos and I created a ton of documents. And by the time the interview rolled around, I aced that InDesign test and was hired on the spot. So that was kind of funny how I got into it. And then really just learned the construction industry from there. Learned what I loved about it, learned what I didn't love about it and tried to form my career around that. Interestingly, also my next landing spot, I, uh, I was fortunate enough to have a new boss and, um, crazy. He was from the consumer marketing world. And so he taught me everything he knew about consumer marketing and what that meant and how it could be applied to the AEC industry, which is something you don't ever see. I mean, you don't see us marketing um, like the brand, the, the bigger brands would. And um, he was a great mentor to me. And I took advantage of everything that he knew and applied it to our industry, which I think has been really exciting. It's, it's allowed us to do weird things that you only see like Coca-Cola doing or Disney doing it. Um, you know, when I go to conferences then and I hear other people saying, you know, yeah, that really doesn't apply to us or I don't know how that's going to work for us. Or especially with social media, you'll have people say, I just don't think we need to be on social media. Well, guess what? Your audience is on social media every day. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the more we talk about millennials and Gen Z, the more you better be on social media. So we started doing that, you know, a few years back and it's really taken off and it's really had an impact and really helped me with my career too, to see kind of what the future was going to be like for this industry in particular, which was kind of slow to get around to that. You know, you talk about consumer marketing and it's, it's kind of related, but I, I, the example that I learned of, I don't know, a couple of years ago, it was recent, um, of out of the box thinking marketing was way back when Guinness, the beer came up with the Guinness Book of World Records. And I don't think people realize that. They just think it's another company. No, no, that's Guinness the beer. They had this crazy idea 100 years ago, however long. And they said, you know, what do people talk about when they go to the pub and drink our beer? Well, they talk about funny stories. They talk about records, stats, anything. You know, they, they talk about that type of stuff. He's like, well, how can we get our name out there? Let's start the Guinness Book of World Records. And it's like, that, that has nothing to do with making beer. Absolutely nothing to do. But to your point, I think 
the people that can get creative with marketing can get sometimes even like a little funny, a little silly, like not take themselves too seriously. That goes a long way. Yeah, and I would say too, you know, try something that hasn't been tried before and maybe you'll flop. Maybe it'll be a huge mistake, but you've learned that now, or maybe you'll get lucky and it's the next best thing. Yeah. The next greatest thing like you're talking about with Guinness. I mean, just taking that chance and being a being not afraid to make those mistakes and uh, charge forward and just keep the ball rolling and if you try to make everything perfect. You're never going to succeed. But if you try to, you know, try to read something, try to create something that no one else is doing and who knows, you might get lucky. Yep. Um, okay. So let's jump to the environmental design group. Um, yeah. How did you, well, first let's start, like what, what made you want to work for them? And then I want to jump into your role and, and uh, you know, your day-to-day responsibilities and things like that. Yeah, I would say um, environmental design group for me was uh, like a love story, I guess. Um, kind of love at first sight, really. Uh, the first thing you do when you hear about a position that's opening up that you might be interested in is check out their website. And when you look at the website, you see all kinds of people giving back to their community. You see all kinds of people who are really passionate about preserving the company culture. Um, and it's not always about the work. It's always, uh, it's more about, you know, the sense of purpose that we have, the sense of wanting to be something bigger than ourselves within the community. And I think that was the first thing. Um, I would say the second thing as I'm looking at, recalling my looking back through the website now is the number of women that were hired by the firm before me that were not just administrative assistants. Um, They're in engineering roles. They're in leadership roles. They're in ownership roles. And to me, that was that was imperative. I mean, that would really said you have a place here, yes, but in the future you could have an even better place here. And there's room for growth, and there's learn, room for learning, and there's room for innovation. And really, um, I I knew that I had to work with Environmental Design Group, and I, I would say that I would choose that all over again. So let's dive into your role. You know, what is your and maybe it's changed, um, but uh, what does your role entail? What are the day-to-day operations look like? All that stuff. Yeah, so I started three years ago with Environmental Design Group as the marketing director. And about a year ago, um, I was promoted to principal. And I run, I uh, oversee a team of super creative and highly intelligent designers, um, storytellers, and uh, just out and out real creative, innovative people. Um, and we put together this team that can move really quickly um, can change directions really quickly, can manage uh, the, I think there's 13 now client service groups within Environmental Design Group and all of their marketing campaigns. Um, so with that team, you know, it's kind of evolved over the last three years and we've expanded, we've added seats to the bus and we also spun off uh, right at the beginning of COVID, uh, Environmental Design Group spun off EDG Creative. And we are um, a part of EDG, obviously, um, but we offer our marketing services then to other companies, other small businesses, other nonprofits, um, really just about anybody because it's, um, it's a different take on, on marketing. Instead of the big agency feel, we have a more personal touch. We can offer a menu of services that you may be a little bit intimidated by going to an agency for. And we're in the industry. We understand the work. Um, so really being able to tell the stories of our projects and help our clients to tell their stories too. Communications become, you know, one of the most imperative things that we do on projects these days. And, you know, especially with COVID the way it was, um, we learned really quickly that, you know, you can't over commute. 
communicate. You can under communicate and it's really trying to find that balance. Um, we've been able to help our clients find that balance and, um, you know, using the skills that are already present on our team and providing them out. It was a, it was an opportunity for us to give back again to our clients who may have been struggling getting through that transition phase um, when we all first went home for the first time and thought it was going to be for two weeks. Yeah. Um, so all of that crisis communications that happened at the very beginning, um, you know, obviously, like everyone else, we learned the importance of that intentional communication. And we've sort of crafted that and been able to share it out with our clients, too. So um, for the people that don't know, can you tell us what you do, you know, who you work with? How does the process work? Like if some if a company or a city or whatever, you know, how do how do people get involved in it? And what are all the services? Because there's a lot. There's a lot. That's that's a big question there. Um, okay, so in my role, uh, we handle so many different things internally and externally. Um, the internal campaigns can run the gamut depending on what the client service group is interested in doing, whether we're promoting a new geography, whether we're promoting a new product or service. Um, we're you know, actively involved in helping our directors accomplish that. Um, we've had some really great success over the past few years, and I think a lot of it has to do with the willingness of everyone to really promote the company through marketing and business development. You know, a lot of times people will pull back when times get hard, like during COVID, and they'll, you know, cut spending in those areas. We do the opposite of that. And so we've seen success coming through some of the hardest times. Um, so in my role, you know, I, like I said, I oversee that team. And um, a lot of my team is, is kind of new to the field as well. So a lot of my time is spent coaching, um, teaching them as much as I know or as much as I can share with them, encouraging them to do the same thing. Um, I see my role as kind of just stay out of their way and let them do their magic. And they do that. Um, they'll make mistakes, of course, because they're young and they're learning. Um, but at the same time, they come up with some things that are absolutely extraordinary. And we're surprising our clients all the time with that. Um, we do dabble in a lot of different things. So, um, you know, the president of our company, Dwayne Grohl, often asks me, you know, what's next? And I have to have an answer for him. So I'm always looking for new innovative things that we can do in marketing that will surprise the industry, if you will. And, uh, you know, we try to do that for our clients externally as well. So if I get involved in a project with some of our internal clients, um, that's usually where that starts. If I get involved with uh, projects for our external clients, it's usually because I get added to a project team in the AEC field. Um, so we'll have an engineer or, um, you know, a city engineer or a county engineer get a hold of us and say, you know, we need to get this project started. One of the most important things is going to be communication on this project because we're not sure how it's going to go over. That's where I'll get involved on the project or someone on my team will get involved in the project and we'll, you know, try how to ease those anxieties around the project. If we have to go door to door with folks or we have to, you know, inform people of something they don't necessarily want to hear, it's often important to um, craft that messaging so that it doesn't come across as uh, too domineering, but, uh, you know, alleviate some of that anxiety with the project as well. It can go a long way for public outreach, for sure. Yep. Um, how did the company as a whole, like what shifted, a, a million things, I'm sure, but what shifted when COVID happened? Did you guys pick up new projects that you wouldn't have otherwise? Did it come to a grinding halt for a little while? Like what was the past 12 to 16 months like for you guys? That's a great question. Luckily for us, when COVID hit, um, we were ready because for whatever reason, 
few months prior to that, we had all of our ducks in a row with IT. Um, so sending everybody home overnight, literally, was not a problem. We were all ready, prepared for that. And um, I won't say it was completely seamless, but for the most part, I think we fared better than a lot of people did. And uh, because of that, then we were able to help our clients with the same thing. Um, a lot of our clients are municipalities or um, government agencies or public agencies. And, you know, some of those were a little bit, a little bit uh, stunned by what the process was going to be to get everybody home in a way and safe. And so uh, we were able to provide guidance in some of those areas as well. But yeah, as far as business goes, because we ramped up marketing, because we ramped up business development, um, we initially got the crisis communications out that first, got it out of the way, and then switched gears immediately to let's start talking about some of the good things that are happening. Everybody's drowning us with bad news right now. Everywhere you look, there's bad news, bad news, bad news. And we wanted to be that beacon of hope or that beacon of, you know, we're still marching on. Our projects are continuing. We were considered essential. So we continued our projects. We continued working in the field. We used all of the safety precautions at our hands and made it happen. And really through perseverance and the integrity of our staff, it just happened. And uh, the work kept coming in. Um, the teams kept on working. And yeah, we had some people that you know couldn't make it all work because they had kids at home or they fell sick themselves. Um, but we had others on the team that said, you know what, I got you. I'm going to carry the team. I'm going to get jump in there and help you out. And that's really what it means to be family. And that's one of our core values. Um, so we talk a lot about that uh, with each other and demonstrate it, you know, is, is obviously more important than talking about it. Awesome. Love it. That's, uh, that's crazy that you guys were ready a couple months before, because yeah, that was that, like, and not the public, but, you know, there's two answers to that question, like the internal, how did you guys do? And then obviously all of the clients that you work yeah. with and projects, but yeah, amazing that you guys were just ready to go. So funny story, before COVID hit, we spent about a year preparing um, some presentations around disruption. No idea what was coming down the pike, obviously. We talked about disruptions and climate and flooding and what it would mean to have autonomous vehicles what it would mean for people who wanted to age in place, you know, all these different things, the migration to the big city, the migrations away from the big cities, any kind of disruption. And we were talking about it in terms of trying to help our clients to prepare for some kind of disrupt disruption like that. Little did we know that literally a month or two later, we were going to get hit with the biggest disruption we've ever seen. Um, so we were mentally prepared too, which I think was kind of cool. Uh, we were all kind of sitting there scratching our heads like, wow, we didn't see that coming, but yeah, that's what we've been talking about. You know, not exactly flooding, um, but something much more um, traumatic for everybody in our community, for sure. Um, so I was doing some research and I came across uh, Jeff Kerr's Twitter bio and I was, I was just fascinated with the wording, right? And you, and you have talked um, throughout this episode about even just your own storytelling and how you frame things. And I just love the way I loved his Twitter bio and I had just never heard it before. And so his Twitter bio is a uh, creator of cultural infrastructure, yep. disruption disciple. Um, first time that I've heard that. And certainly the first time I've heard cultural infrastructure. I think that's so cool. Um, I, I would equate that as almost like the zeitgeist or, you know what I mean? Like almost, that's, that's, that's where my brain went when I first heard it, but yeah. tell, us, tell us about some projects that EDG has worked on where maybe those words come up more often than not. Absolutely. And I, and it's funny too, I'm sure Jeff would agree. Um, 
he probably thought of that on his back porch sipping bourbon. Um, <laughs> and he would, and he would probably tell you that too. Um, but yeah, cult- cultural infrastructure, we've got, he's a, he's a fabulous designer, one of the best uh, this region's ever seen. And he's been a part of some fantastic projects in and around the city in Northeast Ohio. And the one that comes to mind, obviously, is the Topath Mounds, for example. Um, they really are about connecting people with our industrial heritage, Cleveland's industrial heritage. So if you get up to the Topath Mounds, whether it's by bike or you're walking or whatever it is, um, if you climb to the top of one of the mounds, you can see the entire industrial valley of Cleveland. And of course, you can see the skyline of Cleveland in the background in the lake. So it's really about giving people the opportunity to ramble, to go and exploring. And while they're doing that, to really appreciate some of the culture that has built up the city and gives us, you know, the name that we have and all of the things that go with that. Uh, it gives you a different perspective on, you know, what you're seeing and what you're experiencing without, you know, actually having to hear the story. You can go up there and see it for yourself. Pretty cool project. Uh, yeah, I need to do that. Um, Taylor and I may do that here soon. Um, so you mentioned why you were first attracted to working at the environmental design group. And you mentioned that there were, you know, not only women in administrative roles, but women in leadership roles. What is it, or what has it been like working in somewhat of a male dominated field? And then second part, how can the industry, or I guess individual companies, work to increase access and opportunity for women? Yeah, um, I guess I haven't really noticed it where I am, but obviously um, in the industry, you do see it. Um, I would say that it takes a lot of different ways of thinking to come to a a really, truly innovative place. And I think we've discovered that there in probably long before I arrived at the firm, because obviously we've had women in those roles already. but I think it takes great leadership to recognize that uh, our leaders, I, I don't know everything. Um, I don't pretend to know everything. I need people around me that, that can provide information, provide insight, provide opinions that I can, we can bounce ideas off of each other to come to a great conclusion. If you don't have diversity of thought, you really don't have what it takes to, to move into the next more innovative future. Um, and I do see that sometimes. You see that in places where, you know, they're not, they're stagnant or they're not innovating. It's probably because they're missing that diversity. That diversity of thought is really important. Um, I feel very fortunate to be where I am. We have leadership that supports new ideas, that encourages new ideas, encourages innovation and encourages people really to stick their neck out a little bit, make some mistakes, but everybody's heard. And I think that's the important part too. Um, I've worked at places before where, you know, your, your voice is not heard and, um, And that's sad because there probably are some really good ideas out there that they would miss out on. Um, So I think I know for myself, I go out of my way to include people throughout the company, Um, especially if someone's quiet. I'll I'll, I'll seek out the person that's kind of quietly skeptical in the corner of my next new idea. Uh, And this has happened a few times, but there are people that, you know, they are kind of quiet and they are very skeptical and they kind of want to wait and see if you're right before they jump on board with your idea. Um, so I'll reach out to those people and ask them, you know, what is it about what I'm, I'm proposing here that's got you confused or worried or questioning? And I'll ask for their input and I'll ask for their, you know, their ideas to go along with it. And mo- most of the time it improves the process. It improves everything that we're trying to do. Um, so I think we, we are intentionally trying to do that with our staff. And I think that's something, you know, I, I, I 
feel like we're seeing that in other companies as well. It's not as rare as it used to be. Um, but I think if they, if companies could see the success that comes from that, more and more people would uh, try to do more of that. Yeah, 100%. I love the concept of diversity of thought. And, and even to double down on that, it's great to have diversity of thought. But as, if you don't have an environment where thoughts can be presented without not repercussions, but without any sort of like, no, that's not it. Or, you know, like to, to avoid groupthink, that, that is really where you want to get to in all these meetings that we have all day long. Um, yeah. People just kind of give in like, fine. You know, the consensus thinks it's right. I give up. It's like, no, pr- present your idea and let's listen to it. That, that's so important. Yeah. I, I can't tell you the number of times that I've, I've said something um, to the president of our company and I, you know, I, I catch myself afterwards, like, man, I probably shouldn't have said that. That's the kind of thing that could get me fired, you know? And uh, he always comes back with, you know what? I'm glad you said that. I needed to hear that. Or, or, you know, we've been thinking about that, but we've never acted on it. And you're right. Or something, or we'll even come together and try to create something different. Um, but really the, the appreciation there that I have for him, for being, for being allowed to just speak whatever it is that's on my mind is really, truly invaluable. Awesome. Well, uh, we will get you out of here on this. This has been a, uh, a great conversation, but in closing, we always like to uh, give our guests their opportunity to list a couple places that they love to eat, favorite places around town. It can be Medina, Northeast Ohio, Cleveland, can be wherever you want, really. Um, and it can be takeout. It can be in person, um, your choice. But what's, what's, your, what's your go-to dinner spot, COVID-related or non-COVID-related? I guess I should have prepared for this question a little bit better. Um, <laughs> well, since I've raised four kids, we're really used to eating on the fly on our way to soccer games or on our way somewhere. Um, but Pita Pit's one of my favorites. Love that place. Uh, we try to try to eat a little bit healthy. Um, when we're failing miserably at that, we're usually falling through Swenson's. Um, so I'm kind of a local. I love the local flavors too. So if we get down to, um, you know, Cleveland, we'll try try to try out Barrios. That's one of our favorites too. So. Um, just a little bit of everything, a little bit eclectic, I guess. Love it. Awesome. Well, Tammy, thank you so much for coming on. We really do appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can have you on, uh, again in the near future and best of luck with everything this year. And we'll talk with you soon. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. Thanks, Tammy. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Rust Belt Rundown. Make sure you check us out at rustbeltrecruiting.com. The Rust Belt Rundown is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and click on five stars if you enjoyed this episode. See you next time.